Crime Podcast. I'm Gary Howard, and thank you for coming back, as always, if you're a return listener. If not, thank you for giving my show an opportunity. And this is one of my Monday episodes. My next full episode will be next Wednesday. So hopefully I can get my research out and done in time, and it'll be out. But if you're a new listener, I am an over-the-road truck driver for, well, my wife said I shouldn't say the name, but Prima Express. But, yeah, I'm an over-the-road truck driver. During this time as a truck driver, I have to stay at truck stops for 10-hour breaks. And on the show, I will talk about that truck stop, and I will talk about a murder that happened around it. And if this is what, something you enjoy, well, thank you for giving me a try. Before warning, it does contain murder. It does contain sometimes rape, torture of kids and women. So if this is not for you, well, not saying that I'm going out for that purpose. And the show's for that. It just involves that sometimes. Not all the time, but it it's there. So without further ado, let's start the show today normally i do it at truck stops talk about truck stop and today right now i am not at a truck stop i'm actually at hood container in st francisville louisiana there is a truck stop right down the road now i did cover that truck stop on the um their tali episode so i'm not going to do it again i mean plus it's just a basic run you know nothing special about that truck stop at all because it has a casino in it which most truck stops in louisiana do have but I'm right down the road at the hood container. I've been here since yesterday because the load's not ready. And being Easter, I guess they're short-staffed and give everybody off, which is fine. I just wish they would have sent me somewhere else so I'm not wasting my time. But anyhow, so yeah, it's a big paper mill that we come here all the time a lot. Which hopefully one day that I could, I guess as long as I'm working with this company, I'll always come here. But I don't like here. The parking lot's like a war zone. I mean, it's usually quick in and out, but the problem with this place is you have that truck stop right down the road, which is it, and then nothing forever. Unless you can go to Baton Rouge, which that place is always packed, just, you know, crazy. Can't find For a car, it's fine, but for a truck, it's really not. For, for me, now I'm not speaking for all truck drivers, not about me. I don't really don't like going there. There's a pilot there, but usually packed you know and small parking lot so anyhow the case someone that's enough about the paper mill which i've been stuck at since yesterday i see another prima truck driver just pulled up if this dude leaves with a load you're gonna be looking at one happy unhappy truck driver here which i've been thinking about giving up my keys i'm curious about this any of my listeners if I quit truck driving, got a regular nine to five job at home, but I still did this, would I be a a fake? As, you know, a, a, I don't know what's that word. You know, you're not a poser, but you know what it is. Somebody who portrays himself as something that's not. My wife thinks that I would be robbing my fans of one her of being not being a truck driver as a truck driving podcaster. But you tell me on my social media what you think about the idea but anyhow the subject i'm talking about now i did not want to do an episode on on this case because it does aggravate me a lot that a lot of people could have stopped this but did nothing to do about this especially since it's involving a child and it's a pretty popular case this happened in england by the way 
and for these Monday cases, I'm going to use the Monday cases for like overseas and maybe some that cases that I've not overpopulated cases, I guess, like your Ted Bunnies and your John Wayne Gacy's, which I probably won't do because they're just too popular. But the ones you've heard of a lot. But this one has a, involves juveniles commit murder on a juvenile, which is something that has always been my since I started doing podcasts. I'm no psychiatrist or doctor or anything like that. But it makes me wonder how do we treat these kids who have committed murder? You know, if it may be killing another kid or a dumb thing, because technically your frontal lobe is what dictates, you know, then, you know, it gives you information of future r- results of things and different ideas, not ideas. But I'm getting ahead of myself about future punishments. I guess you would say de- developing and I'm going to shut up right now before I get myself in trouble because I'm making no sense right now. But you know what I'm saying. It really makes you realize the consequences of things, of your actions. It's the frontal lobe. It's not really developed until the age of 25. I looked into that. And so what do we do with them? What do we do with like a 10-year-old who they committed murder? Do we blame their parents? Do we blame them? Do we look at their lifestyle? Or do we just toss them in a cage and forget about them? I don't know. What do you, I'd like to hear your guys' opinion, what you all think. But the story that I'm talking about right now is that of the leading question of murder of Jamie Bulger. The, of course, the day be, over in England, this, like I said, this happened. The day became harmless as ever, just a regular school day. Dennis Bulger was visiting a shopping center in Butley, near the city of Li- Liverpool, just a, a shopping mall, whatnot, with different stores in it. It, uh, something that was really big in the 80s that no longer exists, very few. <laughs> it was a normal visit. She planned on going to the butcher as well as the numerous stores. Jamie, her two-year-old son, was with her. He just, at just about 3 p.m., they entered the shopping center and began to walk around. The butcher shop was on the lower floor of the shopping center. It was a busy day, and there was a line in the store. Dennis She's distracted for a moment, lost sight of her son. She thought nothing of it. The same day, two other young boys had decided to visit the shopping center. Their names were Robert Thompson and Rob Venables. Both were age 10, playing, you know, tardy, being tardy from school, just ditching. You know, future, you know, later on we'll find out they have been trouble. Well, you'll see when, what they do in the store. They became, they came from difficult backgrounds with chronic, with chaotic families, chronics. They probably smoked chronics. It was a, wasn't the first time they skipped school. They had the, quite the reputation of ditching their education. That day, they entered themselves into the shopping center. They went to, as usual, they involved a string of petty shoplifting crimes. They've been shoplifting, and apparently little regard of any specific target, so they were just stealing everything they could get their hands on. It didn't matter. Already that day, they stole a, a candy bar, a, some stole some candy, a, a troll doll, a can of blue paint, and some batteries. Anything they wanted, they threw down the moving escalators to cause a bit of extra chaos. But the petty thievery quickly grew boring. They decided to take their criminal up to another level. Which nobody knows why. I don't think they ever really admitted to it why they did this. They had mixed emotions. Whatnot. Plus, as juveniles, I don't think 
I looked it up. I couldn't find it. Probably right underneath my nose and didn't see it. But nothing was really, you know, I couldn't figure out why they wanted to do this. But earlier that day, they joked about killing, luring a child away from his mother. They could lead the child to a busy road and push into a busy road outside the shopping center, which tells me even if they were at school, they were probably bullies at the time. Even at 10 years old, I remember some bullies. And they even tried to convince the child to leave with them. Inside one department store, a woman spun around to notice that her three-year-old daughter was watching the 10-year-olds watching. They were trying to attract her attention. The woman looked around again, thinking nothing of it. Moments later, she realized that both her three-year-old daughter and her two-year-old son had vanished. Searching around desperately, she found her daughter a few seconds later. When she asked about the little girl's brother, her daughter responded, he's gone outside with the boys. The woman began shouting out for her son. Dragging her daughter, she broke into a desperate sprint outside the store where she ran out of the shopping center, looked around, and then spotted her son in the distance. The two 10-year-old boys were there, again beckoning for the young child to follow them. When John Venable spotted the frantic mother, Running towards him, he gestured for the boy to return to her side. The mother ran to the child, relieved, before she knew the 10-year-old had disappeared back into the crowds. She, she had been lucky enough to spot the child was missing. All it took only a second, which that's all it takes for if somebody wants a kid. It only takes a few seconds for, you know, to distract their kids and... Luckily for me, I never had to deal with that. But because of cases like this, I've always been keeping a key eye on my. Even now, my oldest daughter's nineteen, and my son is sixteen. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. And Dahlia, my youngest one, Dahlia, nine. She's going to be nine soon in April. Her birthday's coming up. I'm gonna be home, and we're gonna have a good birthday party. But I worry about them even then. But they'll always be my babies, I guess. So back to the store, Venables and Thomas, annoyed of the failure, slick back, sneaked back in the shopping center. They hung around near a food court, hoping to steal a handful of candy when the owner wasn't looking. When they spotted young James Bellinger, known as Jamie to his family, the two-year-old was standing beside the entrance to a busy butcher shop. Inside, the mother was distracted. They walked up to the little boy and began to talk to him. Within a few seconds, They'd taken Jamie Belger by the hand and began to lead him out of the shopping center. The image of two young, the image of two ten-year-old leading the boy away would be become what you know very iconic picture of this. Which all these pictures will be on my social media staff when I do publish this. The time that this happened all around 1542 in military time. Or 3.42 p.m. for you civilians. Well, I'm a civilian now, but truck drivers, they also still go through by military time. Which I think it's a little bit better. So is it's a PMA, just say 15.30, 12.30. Only time that I get confused about is the zero, 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 but only for one second. But, yeah, it hardly taken, like I was saying, it hardly took a, a minute for Dennis to get distracted. In the, Denise to get distracted in the store for the two boys to swoop the boy and take him away. People remember the trio leaving. Every now and then, Jamie would run ahead of them. You know, probably playing. You know, the two young kids, the two 10-year-old boys, would call out to him, encouraging him to come back 
back to them. Come on, baby. Call them baby. To all intents and purposes, they look like two older brothers taking their little brother out for the afternoon, which probably a lot of people, I said a lot of people didn't do nothing, but that's what they probably thought. You know, there's a couple people that probably could intervene but in the story. But yeah, I probably would have done the same thing if I would just saw two kids. Maybe I would have thought, you know, the same thing. Plus, this happened in 93, which 90, I believe the camera says 93, yeah. I'm telling the story. I don't even know what year it happened in. Uh, but, um, yeah, it happened December 2nd, 1993. So back to the butcher store, Denise started to panic. Jamie had been right by her side seconds ago. She placed her order with the butcher, turned around, and he was gone. Her first instinct was to find the mall security. Desperately worried, she rattled off a description of her son and his clothes while he was, you know, what he was wearing and everything. It was read over the loudspeaker along with his name. Half an hour later, however, no one could see any sign of Jamie, young Jamie Belger. A call was placed through the local police station reporting him missing. Jamie and his kidnappers were already gone. Already outside and gone. It just takes that fast, which always marvels me. And I always wondered about the whole wait for 48 hours to replace a missing person. You know how far a person can be in 48 hours? E that's two days. Even with my DOT restrictions and driving 11 hours a day, that's six. I could get max out 650, so that's 12. So that's 13. I could be across country, 1,300 miles away before they even begin to look. So think about that when. People start saying we need a 24 to 48 hours, even 24. Let's go with 24. If I file DOT, that's still 650. And then they actually start looking around that area. They don't go out there, look in the city, like look there. So by the time they actually decide to look outside their AO, it could, I could be, if it happened in New York, I could be in California. But yeah, so they walked, you know, walking around the area for almost two and a half miles. See, when Jamie cried out for his mother, the two boys ignored him. But the two-year-old trusted him as friends. You know, they really trust. That's nothing about little kids. They are very trustworthy because they don't know no better. It's us as parents to teach them from right, from wrong, and be leery. That's why I told my daughter, Dahlia, if anybody ever tries to come up and say, hey, your mom and dad want you, and told me to bring, and I told her, I gave her, a secret word that I'm not telling you. And if they don't say that, then she immediately starts screaming at the top of her lungs, stranger danger. And she remembers it. <laughs> but yeah, he kept following them. Eventually, they crossed Liverpool and found themselves near a canal. And this is when things got ugly for a little, you know, little boy, Jamie. At this time, they're taking across the street. Forty people had spotted them, but no one stopped them. But like I said, why? There's just some kids hanging out. They probably didn't just some boys with the end. Like I said, the time frame, no one thought anything about it. They were near the canal. The two boys picked up Jamie and dropped him on his head. Like I said, this is when it don't get good for him. The forcible left a mark on it, zooming in the swell. Jamie cried, of course. The boys left and laughed and joked. Throwing about throwing him in the canal, you know, a past woman heard Jamie. Now here's the first time where I don't know why she didn't do more than what she did. 
you know, passed by her Jamie crying, but she just kept on going, you know. Growing bored, the bo- two boys decided to move on. They called Jamie again, and even through everything, they he still followed them. Like I said, trustworthy to toddler. Jamie f- followed, you know, followed the two boys. His forehead began to bruise and bleeding. Noticed and cut. The boys pulled the hood, hood, over his his head to hide the wounds, but it was still visible. People saw the, the toddler escorted by two older boys, and they walked through as busy streets of Liverpool. One person even remembers seeing a tear rolling down Jamie's cheek. Some witnesses later recall that the boy was laughing and going about willingly. So, of course, that's why they didn't really do nothing. Others recommend that he was, others remember that he was being kicked and was screamed at, calling, that he was kicking and screaming, calling for his mother. And nobody still did not do nothing. They just followed it. Now, like I said, a lot of people like, well, they should just mind their own business. A lot of times when it is adults, maybe you should, unless it just gets too hostile and you see somebody bigger, you know, doing b- pump blows or something like that on someone smaller. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, what happens if you help them out and a person who's getting beat on, now that person turns on you. I think a lot of people are worried about that. Or I don't know the name of it, but it's what, where you just don't do nothing because you believe someone else is going to do something. could be a big problem. But one woman who had seen... You know, Thompson leaned down and punched Jamie, shaking the toddler, did nothing but pull her curtains closed. So second one, which I'm going to do another episode here pretty soon. I'm doing my about something similar to that. I'm not going to say the name because I don't know, but it's a, a famous case that started 911 call and anonymous callers and all that. But one elderly woman did did stop the group asking what was wrong. The two 10-year-olds said that they found the boy at the bottom of the hill and was taking him home. The woman suggests they take him to a police station and satisfied she went about her business, left him. She would realize her mistake later that day when she, later that day when she sat down to watch the evening news. Another woman nearly, in, nearly interfered offering to take Jamie to the police station herself, but... And this is the craziest reason why. But she wasn't able to find anyone to take care of her own daughter while she did so. I just don't understand why she couldn't take her with them. You know, it would be no problem. But I guess she couldn't really see the foreseen what what happened to Jamie. So once again, the boys were able to slip away undeterred. The visitors, they visited stores with Jamie. Even though the owners were suspicious, no one stopped them. When they stopped by a pair of even older boys who were curious to know who Jamie was, they simply stated that it was Thompson's brother. So, again, they allowed, or they're allowed to continue. They were walking towards the old railroad line in Walton, occasionally used, but very isolated. The boys, and this is, I'm going to tell you right now, this is when, if you don't want to hear what happened to them, just go ahead and just in the, in the episode right now because this is or just skip ahead a few but the, the boys knew they were alone for a moment just before they arrived they hesitated they even discussed if they should not do this and turn around and but by that time their minds were already made up they were in full like i said because they they couldn't really foresee what they're doing i don't think they, they don't really know the consequences like 10 year olds they do things where they don't know the consequences of their actions 
And sometimes I don't even know if they believe if death is death and is permanent because of movies. No, I'm not being one of the people that says movies cause, you know, it's just it's up to us as parents to show them that, you know, let them know that death is death and is not what they're about to do is irreversible. So this time before 6 p.m., out of prying eyes, they began to indulge their basic instinct. I don't know why. And I read something, but they got ugly. This is not basic and vulnerable. You know, so they started torturing this young Jamie. First, they threw paint in his eyes. Remember the paint they stole from the from the store? Threw in his face. They kicked him all over the body. Finding bricks and stones nearby, they began to pummel the toddler. They took the packs of batteries and stolen from the mall and stuffed them into his mouth. And some people say they actually even tried to sexually assault the boy with the batteries. So Jamie was stripped down to the waist down. Stripped down to the waist down. He was stripped from the waist down. One of the... Thompson peeled back his foreskin and beat, pummeled the tooth. So they were just really torturing. Finally, they found a 22-pound fish plate near the rail line. They lifted up and dropped it on Jamie's head. And I believe this is where the murder, you know, where, where he eventually died. The Jamie's skull was fractured in 10 places. Eventually, pathologists, when they eventually did find a report, concluded that the boy had suffered so many seriously injuries, serious injuries that it was impossible to know which one had finally killed him. But the boys weren't done yet. They decided they needed to make the death look like an accident. They dragged the the you know little boy's body on the railroad tracks and weighed him down with stones and rubble. A train would pass by, they hoped, and make the murder look like a terrible accident. The body carefully placed, they fled the scene. Not long after a train did pass by, it ripped Jamie's poor little body into two pieces. As the, the two ten-year-olds went home and went about their life like nothing happened. Meanwhile, the police were still the search was escalating in the early stages jamie's parents were first jamie's parents were suspects as they always do usually murder case parents are always the first suspect and then um, with domestic he's always the spouse you know if it's a wife the husband husband the wife what you know they were quickly ruled out however jamie's photo circulated through media and people started coming forward they remember seeing him near the canal but the search led nowhere. The boys had crisscrossed the city so many times when the police were finally able to check the CCT files, they were astonished. They found now famous grainy shots of Jamie being led out of the shopping center by the two boys, Vanables and Thompson. And the story instantly went nationwide and searched for Jamie you know, and testified intensified. I'm having trouble already. Well, I guess I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I didn't get much mouth at the beginning. It took a while. So the the two, mother and father, Jamie's mother and father, looked at an image and felt a surge of relief. They they believed that the boy was fine. He would be all right. He's t- you know, the husband told his wife, and their name Ralph and then Denise. Jamie's, you know, they didn't think that there's no way that a 10-year-old you know, two ten-year-olds would do anything horrible to their son, toddler. It was just unimaginable. You, like I said, you can imagine two boys. They had all terrible. This had to be some terrible misunderstanding. Two days later, 
Of course, Jamie's body was found. Everybody's worst fears were confirmed. The little boy had been kidnapped, beaten, tortured to death before having the body desecrated. The police found evidence all over the scene, including murder weapons. Anonymous tipster who followed the story pointed police towards the two boys, the John Venables and Robert Thompson. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but both were arrested a short time later. The evidence, you know, both were the evidence was overwhelming against the two young boys. When the two boy young boys were questioned, they turned on another, as young kids do, each blaming the other one for the ideal. But eventually, Venables confessed, I killed him. He admitted and begged the police to tell Jamie's mother that he was very sorry. While Venables broke down, Thompson remained recluse. He did not really, he didn't, he, he was the, I believe he was probably the ringleader of it all. The police even thought that he, he thought of him as a cold-hearted individual, but it didn't matter. They were There was too much evidence against, against the boys. Both was charged due to their age. The identities was kept secret. Despite this, the public wanted blood. I can imagine. Though they were aged for 10, they committed the crimes. Both were convicted as juveniles. They were old enough by a few months to be considered criminally responsible which i wish i would look that up i want to know what the age of being criminally responsible so i guess they had just turned 10 so i'm guessing nine you have to be 10 to be criminally responsible that to me that still don't make no sense and the, well i like to hear y'all's opinion about this come on join my join my facebook group and i'm i'm getting tired of being the only one talking there Tell me about your day. Tell me about your travels. Tell me about what you think of my podcast. Tell me you think I'm a fucking asshole. I don't know. Tell me something. Join the discussion. The judge decided that the crime was one of the most unparalleled evil and barbaric t- crimes ever. They were the youngest people to be convicted of murder in Britain in 250 years. The boys would serve a minimum of eight years. At the age of 18, the cases would be reassessed. This happened just 19 or actually it happened 20 years ago 2001 both were deemed model prisoners and were released given new identities allowed to live under assumed names which is the same thing scary which was just good because i believe they who knows i don't know if the parents are 18 years i don't know if you ever get over a, a child but while Thompson seems to have gone quiet, Vonables was in prison 2010 for downloading pictures of abused male children. That's the one who who confessed and said, "Sorry." So maybe, I maybe Tom maybe they were equally as evil. But Thompson, maybe just the, just this attitude he had back then. But he he was in prison back to like I said, Vonables, Vonables. Was 2000, he was in prison again 2017 for the same offense. In the end, he served more time for these offenses than he would for the murder of Jamie Bulger. The case lingers in the British mid mindset, however, just like the grainy CCTV image of Jamie being led away by his killers, for many people, the murder of Jamie Bulger changed the way they thought about evil. It was a tragedy that changed Britain forever. So, yeah. I'd like to hear what everybody's thoughts about this, about child. Because like I said, I don't think that development, development, 
Bella Pepe. They're not full. <laughs> they don't really uh, aware of their responsibility or the consequences of the, their acts or what they do. I don't know why I started having trouble. Maybe because I'm talking too fast. I don't know. But anyhow, I know I'm saying all this stuff. If it happened to my kid, maybe I might think different. I would hope I wouldn't because keep in mind there's always two sides of the coin and there's always both sides. There, you know, there's – I can't think. <laughs> you know, there's there's two victims. Two, You know, even the perpetrators has a family and they're victims just as well as the – you know, the victims. But I'm going to stop right there because I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I sound like an idiot. And I don't edit these. You get what you get. If you don't like it, then I guess you can get. But as always, if you like what you heard, go rate, review me wherever you can. But mainly, I would like you just to share it. Share it with your friends, family, whoever likes true crime. Watch me on YouTube, Truck Stop Murder and True Crime. And my website is up. I've got a lot of work to do on that. It's truckstopmurder.com, and I thought it in my Patreon, but I guess I have to work on it more because I didn't. But right now, I think my Patreon is Murder, or just look up Gary Howard. Either way, but you can PayPal me at Gary at truckstopmurder. So if that's what you enjoy, thank you for supporting me, listening to me, and everything. And as always, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a 2 by 4 I am out of here. Uh-huh.